0: Mike Dell's World Number One Sixty Seven for September Eleventh, Twenty Ten. Brought to you by Citrix. Go to meeting. Go get your free thirty-day trial at www.dot. slash TechPodcast. That's GoToMeeting.dot.com/slash, TechPodcast for your free thirty-day trial. Hey, I got a blast from the past here. I want to play. An old Benzoid report from four years ago. It was the fifth anniversary of the September 11th attacks. Uh, the, mind you, the audio quality is not as good as it is now on this podcast, but uh, definitely worth listening to. There's some good stories in there, and some clips from various uh, media outlets and and all that. And it is pretty interesting. And you know, we shouldn't ever forget. So, anyway, without further ado, here is Benzoid Report number 43, and we'll catch you later. Benzoid Report number 43 for September 11th, 2006.
1: The fifth anniversary of the September 11th, 2001 Al-Qaeda attacks on the United States is a reminder of the inhumanity of terrorists. Extremists, like Al-Qaeda, use a perverted version of Islam in an attempt to justify murder and violence. But no faith condones the deliberate killing of civilians, and no cause or grievance can ever justify it. The victims of the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City and the Pentagon building outside Washington, D.C., were citizens of more than 90 countries. Both before and after those attacks, the followers of al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden and others brought tragedy and destruction around the world. Terrorists struck targets in Argentina, Britain, Egypt, India, Indonesia, Jordan, Kenya, Morocco, the Philippines, Spain and elsewhere. In 2002, a U.S.-led coalition removed the Taliban regime in Afghanistan. In place of extremists who harbored al-Qaeda, Afghanistan now has a new constitution and a democratically elected president and parliament. President George W. Bush says that the United States, its friends and allies, have taken the fight to the enemy. Yet this war is more than a military conflict. It is the decisive ideological struggle of the 21st century.
2: On one side are those who believe in freedom and moderation, the right of all people to speak, worship, and live in liberty. On the other side are those driven by tyranny and extremism, the right of a self-appointed few to impose their fanatical views on all the rest.
1: We did not ask for this war, but we're answering history's call with confidence, and we will prevail. Mr. Bush says in the war on terrorism, the path will be very uphill and uneven. But he says, we can be confident of the outcome because America will not waver and because the direction of history leads toward freedom. That was an editorial reflecting the views
3: of the United States government.
4: Hey, Mike. This is Curtis from Over the Sleeper Birth Cast. And just answering your call out to ah, reminisce, tell my little story of where I was at or during 911. It's kind of odd. I definitely do remember it. And it, it seems like almost every year I end up right in about the same place on September 11th, I was going up I-5, and I actually had parked for the night at, <clears throat> oh, now I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> oh, I can't remember the, it's as you go north in of Redding, California, and go up, in, in, up towards Mount Shaft, up towards Weed, There's a little spot there to pull off. Uh, Something slaps, and I can't remember the name of it now. (laughs) I should probably call you back later to leave another one on when I actually can remember it. But in case I don't, (laughs) I'll finish this. And that is simply, it was strange. I woke up. At that time, I didn't have a satellite. It was just uh, regular TV. And so whatever channel was local, I got the news. I uh, was fixing breakfast and saw the plane sitting the tower, and I, I thought, "What kind of deal are they showing here?" I, I really did think it was fake, and and I've got to confess. This is it's a terrible thing to to reveal, but I've had to deliver in New York City before, and I. My first initial thought was, all right, maybe New York City will be all blown off the face of the earth. Of course, reality sunk in. I realized how devastating that was, and that people's lives were, were lost that day, and that was a sad thing. But that's where I was, and uh, I'm coming up on a way station right now, so I think that's probably enough of the story. An excellent idea to do this, though. Thanks for letting me be a part of the conversation, Mike.
5: We remember all the lives we lost, the souls they took today. But from beneath the rue, nation, thrives a rising fighting nation. Let them know today and always we will not be kept away. Cause there's a voice that's gaining ground, it whispers, we will not go down. And though we are afraid, The voice becomes our own, and with our faces to the sky, and our banners carried high, we carry on star-spangled, for in our stripes we're not alone. Let us enter the call to glory, the quest to set things right. Oh, a nation under God And on behalf of our own glory Let us answer the call to glory And forever will America Be written in the stars When we answer the call to glory quest to set things right Mission of a lifetime in the night We're stronger when united For One nation under God And on behalf of our own glory Let us answer the call to glory And forever will America Be risen in the stars We answer the call to glory
6: Hey, Michael. It's Mark Yoshimoto-Nemkov, and I remember uh, September 11th, 2001 very well, the morning of. um, Back then, I was splitting my time uh, between—I was a screenwriter for hire. I was working on several assignments at the time, and so my mornings would be very busy. I'd be writing uh, nonstop from like 6.30 to 10, and nobody nobody would call me. Everybody knew not to call me in the morning— and um, in the afternoons, I'd kind of, you know, write until uh, whenever, 10, 30, 11, and I'd shower and I'd uh, drive down to the office where I was running a uh, very successful little music, uh, Hollywood music production company. And that weekend, we had brought in to town uh, Gordon Gano, who is the lead singer of the Violent Femmes, because he was going to sing the lead uh, vocal on a... Um, A theme that we were doing for the show Off Center, uh, which was a sitcom on the WB network that I believe ran for one, maybe two seasons. And um, so we had uh, Gordon fly in. And of course, Gordon's from New York. So, uh, you know, I get a call like uh, I forget what time it was but you know I was like irritated because here I am and like 2 weeks away from deadline I've already been paid to uh, you know for uh the first draft of the script and I want to finish the second draft and I want to get paid and I'm writing away like mad and the phone rings and I'm like thinking oh fuck something's happened with Gordon Gordon's sick he can't make the studio date we're fucked you know and all I can think about was like you know as the phone's ringing and I'm like do I answer it do I pretend like I'm in the shower You know, do I deal with this? And all I'm thinking about, right, of course, is me, my problems, right? And I pick it up, and my wife says, something's just happened at the Twin Towers turn on the TV. And I turn it on. It was just literally moments after the first plane had hit. And I'm sitting there watching, completely uh, 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 horrified. I mean, I'm just stunned. I remember standing there. In my sweats in my t-shirt, standing there in my little office, uh, um, just probably for like uh, fifteen minutes or whatever. Just like I couldn't believe what I was watching, and uh, the phone's ringing again, and it's it's my dad, and it's uh, you know somebody else, and you know and, and everybody's calling, and and um, I'm standing there talking to my boss, and literally as I'm speaking to him the second plane hits. And I we were both just like, we were both watching it at the same time on TV. And it was just like one of those moments where I, I literally felt like, um, like the world was going to end. I, I really did. I felt like I was standing there watching the beginning of the end of civilization. Like I had no idea, you know, at that point, like, uh, when my father called, when other people called, they're like, "Is there any? What's going on in Los Angeles?" Because somebody, I guess, uh, you know, there was some paranoia at the time that there was going to be maybe an attack in L.A. or something like that, and um, and and that's what it felt like. It was like a moment that I'll never forget because uh, it really, to me, felt like we had pulled the rug out from under civilization, at least for that time. So uh, that was the morning of September 11th. 2001. And um, Gordon Gano, actually, uh, to his credit, showed up at the studio. After watching this, Uh, we had put him up at the Hollywood Roosevelt. um, And he was picked up by a production assistant who took him to the studio. And he performed the track because uh, there was nothing else for him to do. He couldn't uh, call anybody in New York. He couldn't reach anybody because all the phones were jammed. So he had no idea if any of his friends or his family were okay, and they had no idea if he was okay. And so all any of us could do was just work. So Gordon performed the session, uh, performed brilliantly, and then he was stuck in the city of L.A. for a few days because of the whole uh, thing where you couldn't fly for a few days. So, um, yeah. That's what I remember from five years ago. And this is Mike of the Benzoid Report
0: Podcast. And Let's see, on September 11th, 2001, I was uh, working my current job uh, overnights, and I was living in Lake Ann. I was single at the time, so I was uh, sort of a... uh, sort of a, a geek so I would always go home and uh, work on uh, web pages and stuff in the morning uh, and listen to the Bob and Tom show on the radio sure some of you know uh, who Bob and Tom are that's uh, uh, Bob Cavoyan and Tom Griswold uh, they're uh, a syndicated show uh, played on a lot of classic rock FM stations generally but they're more or less a talk show and and you know they generally uh, have childish humor and dick jokes and you know whatever. But they are uh, professional broadcasters in the good sense of the word. I was uh, sitting there working on a web page, I think, for the uh, Cedar Rod and Gun Club, one of the uh, web pages that I take care of. And uh, anyway, I was. Uh, Working along, listening to Bob and Tom and uh, their news gal, Christy Lee, comes on and says uh, there's been an accident in uh, New York City. Uh, An airplane had hit the towers, or hit one of the uh, World Trade Center towers, and of course, you know, they, Bob, Tom, Christy, and uh, Chick, their sports guy, all sort of made... uh, Some snide remarks about uh, air traffic control going to sleep or blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. You know, a couple little jokes. And not much was said about it for the first uh, few minutes. And then they realized, uh, you know, this was something bigger. And they switched into information mode. And uh, they did a serious good job at uh, covering it. Uh, and uh, part, part of what uh, I noticed about the whole thing, of course, I flipped on the TV and uh, was watching uh, Fox News and flipping to NBC, flipping to CNN, you know, with the sound off, but still listening to the Bob and Tom show. And uh, they definitely went into, uh, you know, full news mode. And it was the best coverage on radio that was available around here of course uh, northern michigan is not known f- to be a, a, a media hot spot <laughs> and we do have a supposed news talk station and they didn't catch on until uh, well after uh, the second tower had fell uh, by the time they went to live coverage and you know I, of course i flipped back and forth but the bob and tom show was uh, was it and all during that time uh of course I was uh, flipping around to uh, web pages and uh and I called up a, a buddy of mine uh, who uh was a uh, retired New York firefighter uh, living in Empire Michigan and I called him up and I said, "Ed, uh, check this out. Uh y- you know, this looks pretty serious. This was the first, you know, when the first airplane hit uh and so Ed flips on the the TV, and we're we're uh, you know chatting and watching the coverage, and of course I'm listening to the radio, and you know it was kind of fortunate for me uh, that I was uh, able to be home and uh, have access to all the the different uh, media outlets, and uh, and the telephone of course, and uh, well I talked to Ed for a while uh, and and. Uh, then I uh, hung up with him and uh, I called my mom who uh, is a uh, district manager for a uh, large financial firm I'll leave it at that but uh, she was on her way to uh, Sault Saint Marie Michigan which is uh, up up in the top of the upper peninsula a couple hundred miles away and I said hey did you hear what was going on uh, with, uh, you know, in New York, an airplane hit uh, the, one of the World Trade Centers. And she didn't know and know about it, of course, because she was listening to the uh, talk radio station, <laughs> which had nothing about it. And uh, I told her, yeah, hey, flip over to Bob and Tom. And, uh, you know, up here uh, in northern Michigan, as a side note, uh, all of the media outlets uh tv and radio uh you know it's not just one station uh, it's usually a uh, a chain of stations or a mini network uh the tv stations are all doubles uh, you know like uh, tv 7 and 4 for uh, nbc and 29 and 8 for uh, abc uh 9 and 10 for uh CBS you know they're all central central uh, studios with multiple transmitters to cover this large area I think uh, this uh, market uh, the Traverse City Cadillac market officially as it's known is one of the uh, largest geographic markets uh, in the uh, eastern US anyway so you know a lot of the a lot of the stations both TV and radio, use multiple transmitters to cover it but uh, bob and tom are on a a group of stations known as the bear and uh, i think it's four or five i think they're up to five now at the time i think they were four stations uh, four fm stations and uh, i gave her the the frequency for the sheboygan uh, outlet of it uh, which is up by the Mackinac bridge and she listened to the bob and tom show well, I no sooner hung up from her and Ed called me and said uh, check this out I think another airplane hit the other tower and just as I uh, I said oh wow and I looked over at the TV and uh, sure enough they were uh, replaying the uh, the hit from the second airplane and then Ed was talking you know to me uh, he says you know it looks like that one building's listing you know, it's kind of tilting off to one side or another. And I said, well, you know, I don't know, that's a pretty big building. And just as that, uh, that, uh, conversation started, that tower just crumbled down. And of course, everybody's seen that and, uh, and everything. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, definitely definitely, uh, memorable. so anyway, I have a, a few more comments, of course, uh, from other people. Uh, This particular clip is from the Fly With Me X podcast. Uh, I don't know how many people are subscribed to Joe Dion's Fly With Me podcast. That's uh, available at uh, joepodcaster.libson.com. But he also has a a pod show podcast. It's called Fly With Me X, which is extra content for the uh, Fly With Me podcast. And I really meant to do this yesterday. Today is September 11th. It's uh, about 1.30 in the afternoon. Kind of getting a late uh, start on it. But I had actually meant to do it yesterday, but I'm kind of glad I didn't because uh, Joe had this story on here uh, from one of his co-pilots that uh, I just had to include here. But if you want to get the uh, entire Fly With Me X podcast, uh, go to flywithme.podshow.com and uh, download that. So uh, here's that clip from uh, Joe Dion's Fly With Me X podcast.
3: I started off in Boston and had an early departure out of Boston that morning. So we uh, got everybody on the aircraft, pushed back from the gate, taxied out, and in front of us um, was an American Airlines 767, which we didn't really think much about at the time. And um, a couple of aircraft behind us was the United 767. And uh, we were headed down to Fort Lauderdale. So got the engine started up, taxiing out, and um, the American Airlines 767 took the runway, took off, and then we went into position and hold. We actually had to hold for his wake turbulence as he took off. So um, we took off a few minutes later, and as we were climbing out, we kept on hearing them try to call this American Airlines. And at first, I thought maybe he'd just miss a frequency or something something of that nature, which is not unusual to, you know, get a couple of calls to a guy. But after several calls um, and no response to the American Airlines aircraft, um, they started maneuvering other aircraft out of the flight path, getting them headings, leveling them off at altitudes. And we just thought it was a little bit odd, but once again, just thought the guy had lost the frequency. So we're climbing out and we saw Manhattan. And as we climbed, we were just north of Manhattan getting ready to turn south headed towards Fort Myers. And I looked out and I looked at the cap and said, Bob, take a look at that. Isn't that the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? And you could see straight down um, Central Park and see the World Trade Center and all the beautiful buildings down there. It was postcard beautiful on out there and still in the background they're still trying to call this americans airline aircraft so we turned down to parallel um manhattan and uh about the time we were beamed the world trade centers at 31,000 feet i looked down and saw a column of smoke with a little mushroom cap over the top of it um probably about 300 feet over the top of the building and I told the captain I was flying with, I said, hey, look at that. And he said, oh, it looks like there's a fire in the World Trade Center. I said, man, that's no fire. That's an explosion. And um, so we kind of watched it, and different guys started talking about it on the frequency. A few minutes later, um, American Airlines guy came up. He said he heard that a regional jet had flown into the side of the World Trade Center. And even after we saw it, the captain came up, made an announcement to the... Uh, the passengers. If you look off the left-hand side of the aircraft, you'll see the World Trade Center. So it looks like there's a fire in one of them. So we continued on the flight and um, didn't really think a whole lot more of it. Just kind of, you know, curious to know what happened. So we were uh, about 35 miles south of uh, New York City and headed just about due south, a little bit southwest. And the controller came up and gave us a uh, vector to fly to East, which is more 90 degree turn. Which it's not unusual to get a 10, 15 degree turn for traffic, but they uh, turned us 90 degrees and we thought that was very unusual. And by the time I rolled wings level on the 90 degree heading, the controller came back up and you could hear the stress in the controller's voice. And uh, the controller said, you know, uh, gave us our call sign, told us to immediately turn to a westerly heading, which is a 180-degree turn, and climb to 35,000 feet. And normally at that altitude, they'll ask you if you can climb, but they told us to climb immediately. So I started the turn, and they also asked for a hardest possible turn. And once again, we didn't see aircraft, so we asked the controller if, uh, if there was any aircraft in the area, and the controller came up and said, yeah, you've got a... Uh, uh, aircraft converging rapidly at your right two o'clock uh, coming out of a higher altitude. I can't remember the exact terminology she used. So we we're in a turn and I looked out the window and I looked out saw a 767 higher than I was um, in about a 40 to 45 degree angle of bank turn good 10 to 15 degrees nose low and making a hard turn back up to the north. Um, so at that point in time, I turned off the autopilot and started pulling the aircraft up. When he passed uh, by us, passed less than about 500 feet underneath us. And uh, the captain I was flying with, asked me to roll up on my other wing so we could positively identify the aircraft. And Air Traffic Control also asked for an identification, and both of us identified the aircraft as a United 767. So we went ahead and rolled wings level and proceeded on and we are both asking, well, what was this guy doing? You know, we had absolutely no idea. And then we got about another 20 minutes south of Washington, D.C., and um, our uh, printer in the aircraft actually printed uh, something from our dispatcher announcing that there was terrorist events happening um, throughout the country um, and that we would uh, be required to land soon. And about the same time air traffic control came up and made a general announcement on the frequency that everybody was gonna have to find a place within a hundred miles to land their aircraft or else they would assign one. At that point in time, the captain and I talked about it. We locked down the flight deck, um, agreed that we would not open the flight deck regardless of what was going on. We called back to the flight attendants, told them we were locking down the, flight atten- the, the cockpit and that we would be landing soon and uh, to just tell the passengers we were landing because of uh, uh, bad weather in Fort Myers and we needed additional fuel. And I proceeded to fly the aircraft while the captain communicated with the flight attendants, dispatch, and uh, other, other people, so I flew the aircraft uh, and diverted into uh, Columbia South Carolina and um, the captain and I both came together on downwind and stuff. He'd finished coordinating with the company, telling them where we were going. Um, turned downwind, landed at Columbia, and it was uneventful. We kept the aircraft locked up or the cockpit locked up until all the passengers were going off the aircraft. And then uh, we got out the airplane. The flight attendants were a little shaken and stuff. You know, we got o- off the airplane. And um, the thing that struck me was there was barely a soul in the terminal. I guess security had completely cleared everybody out of the terminal, including the passengers we had just deplaned. And we turned around and looked up, and CNN was on the monitor at the gate, seeing uh, both World Trade Center's on fire. And it probably hadn't been three or four minutes, and then the first World Trade Center fell. And we realized what had occurred um, then. Uh, But that's pretty much it. Uh, Wrong place at the wrong time. Saw the whole thing transpire on 9-11.
2: Was that was back when I'd first gone to work at the eye clinic. Uh, in fact, I was still wor- I was working there as sort of as a consultant, a consultant, and not actually and not actually. Uh, even though I was going to work there every day, I wasn't actually on their payroll. They were just sort of paying me, and I was responsible for my own taxes. So, uh, but anyway, I it was. You know, I would, since I was a consultant, I didn't have to be there, you know, I wasn't actually working directly for them yet, so I didn't have to be there right when the clinic opened at 8 o'clock. So I would get out of bed kind of late and, uh, maybe go in at 10, kind of show up there at 10 o'clock in the morning or something. And so, my, I had my alarm set for 9 a.m., uh, you know, it was a clock radio alarm. On uh, September 11th of 2001, and uh, the alarm, you know, that clock radio came on right when the news was coming on, and I heard them, and it was nine o'clock, of course, Central Time, and uh, I heard on the news, you know, they said, that, you know, World Trade Center uh, hit by, t- you know, a plane, uh, and you know one of the one of the towers had collapsed and you know i i immediately got up you know i couldn't believe so i of course i immediately turned on the television and uh you know they had the live stuff already going and and i i was just kind of riveted to the television and so then after that uh I finally got around and, uh, drove into, uh, town to the, to the eye clinic and I got there and, uh, the mood of the place, I mean it was really somber and I don't think much work got done at all that day because everybody was kind of tuned into the internet or they were listening to, listening to radio or they were, they were uh, continually trying to hit websites to find updates. I remember later, you know, that they were kind of talking, you know, that, you know, but the, you know, people were talking about it and they said that, uh, some of the websites, I don't know, like MSNBC really got slowed down or almost stopped because of all of the, uh, hits they were getting from people trying to find information, you know, the latest information. And that was one of the first major events that happened that where people really t- turned to the internet, uh, in mass numbers to really try to find out what was happening. And, you know, so it was, it was really interesting because, uh, you know, I don't think much work got done at all anywhere that day. And people were just, I think, kind of in shock and, uh, you know, everyone was just sort of tuned in to, what they were doing, you know, or, you know, or to what was going on and to try to find out information. Uh, but I, you know, I remember, you know, driving past those towers, uh, you know, you can, you, it used to be, you know, when you were on the New Jersey Turnpike driving past New York City, of course you could look over and those towers were, you know, they were very tall and, and they were just right up there. And you could easily see them, and uh, you know that's just that was that really symbolized New York City those those twin towers along with the uh, Statue of Liberty. You know, and you know, and and now as an aside, you know, my opinion they should what they should what they should do is just rebuild those towers. You know, maybe make them a foot taller or whatever, but just replace them. And, you know, because it's liberal utopia, they're, uh, you know, it's five years later, they haven't done a thing, they still got a giant hole in the ground, and, uh, they're all still kind of arguing about, well, are we gonna do this, are we are gonna do that, and, uh, you know, it's pretty unfortunate, and then, you know, I guess they're gonna build a so-called Freedom Tower, uh, you know, just a single tower, and But I, I think that they should, you know, since that was such a symbol of New York City and a symbol of America, that they should rebuild those, you know, the, 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 the two Trade Center towers that were there. Uh, but, you know, that's what my opinion is. So But they're, I guess they'll eventually do something to get rid of the hole in the ground, but, uh, you know, rather than bicker and argue all the time. So anyway that was that was uh my what i remember about that that day
0: okay that was uh tom wiles uh, trucker tom that's trucker or truckerphoto.com so anyway yeah also uh this is mike again by the way uh I was, uh, you know, while I was working on my website, uh, you know, I think I was working on the Gun Club website. I also have a, another website, uh, flightradio.com. And that's a uh, website for people that have police scanners that are capable of picking up uh, aircraft to uh, find frequencies. To program into their scanners so they can listen to their local uh, air air traffic control and uh, airplanes in their area, and it's uh, it's still online at flightradio.com. And uh, that anyway, I started that uh, website in I think '98 or '99, and you know it was kind of a you know hobby thing, and and on uh, September 11th, 2001, it became a, a news. Gathering resource for uh, a lot of news organizations. Um, I was looking through the logs. That that's still the all-time highest hits that uh, that that radio or that website had ever gotten uh, was on uh, September 11, 2001 and it was it was fascinating looking through the logs uh there was just tons of nbc.com WThisThatAndTheOther.com, uh cnn uh, just tons and tons and tons of uh media related uh domain names in the log and uh, you know the, the normal uh hit rate for that website's uh, you know somewhere between 100 and 150 uh uniques a day back then it's actually a little higher now but uh, on that day and and a couple of days afterwards when uh, when FAA FAA had shut down the entire airspace uh, there uh, I was getting uh, you know between 5 and 10,000 a day uh, unique visitors <laughs> to that website, so that was uh, quite interesting, and it was very interesting listening to the air traffic control. I also had that going. You know, remember, I was a, a, a single geek uh, ham radio operator computer nerd uh, living in, in the sticks in northern Michigan, I had my aircraft scanner on, uh, listening to Minneapolis Center as they uh, explained to the aircraft that uh, that they needed to land. You know, you've got uh, you know about a hundred miles uh, to uh, get that on the ground, and uh, no exceptions. And it was kind of interesting to listen to some of the pilots up there arguing with air traffic control. Well, you know, I'm only 210 miles away from my destination. Can I just continue on? And, uh, and I, a couple of times I heard the controller say something to the effect that, uh, well, you can go ahead and try it, but uh, we'll have a couple of F-16s uh, up there to show you the ground. And uh, I'm sure it was very confusing because they weren't uh, telling them why they had to get down. They just told them they had to get down due to a national situation. And that was uh, that was very interesting to uh, listen to. I uh, just uh, I wish I would have recorded uh, that, uh, but you know, of course, back then uh, podcasting was uh, not even a, a glimmer in Adam Curry's eye <laughs> or whoever. Uh, so, anyway, got uh, a couple more uh, comments and uh, another song here. So, this one's from uh, Jim Farley of the Musical World podcast.
7: Hi, Mike. This is Jim Farley, and to begin with, I need to publicly thank you for bringing me into the fold of podcasting and Podsafe music. You definitely are were the one and only catalyst in me posting songs to the PMN, as well as gently suggesting that I start the podcast. Now, several months later, I, like many others who have started listening to podcasts, have abandoned regular air- radio airwaves almost entirely, so thank you. Uh, I don't miss them at all, really. <laughs> now for my nine eleven story. That Tuesday morning, I had started to work in an unusual fashion. I had a customer that had called needing some batteries right away, and well, since I had just been there the day before, I reluctantly agreed to go there first thing that morning. I knew this was going to throw my whole day out of whack. I was listening to Bob and Tom, and they started talking about the plane flying into the World Trade Center. I honestly thought they were goofing around, but... They continued, and <laughs> thinking they were still goofing around, I switched the station to w l w out of Cincinnati, knowing they would be on top of any such news, and they were and as I approached the Dayton City limits, there were some f fifteens or f sixteens flying around the Dayton area. You'd probably know better than I would you're the you're the plane guy, but they were fighter jets, I can tell you that, and this was really unusual even though Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is only a few miles away. Um, My work day ended kind of early that day due to the fact that no one was really working uh, anywhere that I went. Everyone was glued to TV or radio, and Jane and I and our son Gordon were supposed to head to Michigan on Wednesday for a long weekend. Uh, Jane and I always do that this time of year to celebrate our anniversary on September 9th, and we decided we should still plan the trip and uh par- partially to make sure that my grandmother uh who at that time was in her 90s was okay and not getting confused by the tv reports and things that were going on in the media while we were in michigan our main media was uh limited because there at the cottage uh there's only major network <laughs> tv we we only have an outside tv antenna and It gets uh, really limited uh, uh, NBC and ABC and CBS uh, for the most part. uh, And I think we ended up watching NBC for the most part, Not, not because we thought their coverage was better, but because it and CBS had the best signals for the antenna. I'm sure we did a fair bit of channel swapping, although I remember pretty well that none of the networks really were breaking for many commercials. And I remember our dinner with you and your parents and John Martin and his father, Ed, and my grandmother and your grandmothers on that Friday evening following. And you and your father being uh, pretty knowledgeable about planes uh, made for an interesting conversation as well as uh, John's father, Ed, being an ex-New York City fireman. And the fact that uh, he lost his brother in the World Trade Center during the collapse and Of course, John lost his uncle, and uh, I'll remember that as being one of the most somber evenings I'll I'll probably ever remember. Um, The day after the attacks on September twelfth, when we were on our way to Michigan, uh, you know, I I kept thinking about everything that happened, and uh, I called David Brush, who is my lyricist and business partner. to write the lyrics to a song about what happened that day we talked about uh, the bravery of the firemen and policemen that you know they ran into a burning building while so many others were running out of the building And, and all I gave him was a title a call to glory because those men and women were all answering a call that hopefully few will ever have to get although Every day, firemen and policemen have to answer that call. Um, Dave and I want to thank you for playing A Call to Glory today in remembrance of those fallen heroes.
0: Okay, Jim. Yep, we did play that uh, up at the beginning, near the beginning of the podcast today. And, uh, yep, I remember, uh, having dinner with, uh, all those folks up here, and, uh, on that Friday night, and it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely different, <laughs> and especially with, uh, Ed losing a, a relative there, Ed and John, and, uh, it was good that, uh, we could all, uh, sit there and talk about it, it was, uh, it was a bad time, but it was a good time, if that makes any sense, so... Anyway, uh, to finish up my comments, uh, the night of uh, September 11th, 2001, I uh, went to work as normal, uh, and pretty much everything was normal around here. Uh, it, one of the things that struck me was uh, Cherry Capital Airport in Traverse City, as I drove by the uh, the south end of the airport complex. Uh, On my way to work, uh, I noticed there was no less than 15 uh, airliners, uh, some types of aircraft that uh, generally don't fly into that airport, uh, all parked on the ramp. And at that time they were at the old terminal building and, uh, you know, that that had two jetways and uh, one set of uh, stairs (laughs) on a truck that they could uh, offload aircraft with and uh, I imagine that was a uh, real pain in the butt for them not to mention uh, you know the airport uh, runway length here is uh, is not conducive to uh, to uh, some aircraft Uh, you know of course they can fly uh, anything in here but uh, whether or not they uh, get it back off the ground uh, that's a whole other story at least not with a full load and uh, so that was that was kind of interesting, and then uh, I remember, you know, working night shift. Uh, I started hearing reports of price gouging on gasoline uh, in Michigan. And uh, to her credit, and, uh, I don't like to give her a lot of credit, but uh, our governor now, who was our attorney general then. Uh, did end up prosecuting a lot of uh, gas station owners for uh, price gouging. Uh, there was reports of you know gas going for five and six dollars a gallon uh, downstate. Uh, up here, uh, it jumped about I'd say seventy five cents that day. And of course, I went and filled my truck up uh, to the brim just in case it kept going higher. You know, because of course we didn't know uh, what else was going to happen at that point. So, anyway, uh, I got uh, one more comment from uh, an anonymous caller to my voicemail line. Uh, he heard my promo for this show on uh, Mark Yoshimoto Nemkov's Pacific Coast Hellway show. So, uh, here's that comment
4: Mike, just listen to your promo on PCH
6: to leave you a message about the 9 11 and where I was. I was at college. I was skipping class, sleeping in late, and I happened to flip on the news, and there it was. I thought it was some sort of joke at first, and uh, found out that it was real. And I was in uh, Connecticut, maybe about 50 miles from Ground Zero. As far as the lame media outlet, I was watching TV because it was instantaneous. Although it might be lame, it's still... And instantaneous delivery, as far as news goes, news on a podcast doesn't FYI. So just uh, keep that
0: in your mind. Okay. Well, yep. Yeah. As he said, there, uh, podcasting is uh, good for uh, entertainment, information, and uh, other stuff that doesn't require real time news. Uh, So yes, TV, radio, terrestrial radio, satellite radio, uh, you know, that's one thing that us podcasters will never, uh, never be able to uh, replace completely. But, uh, you know, I do wish they would uh, be less lame about, uh, about it. And uh, hopefully uh, with the uh, advent of podcasting and the proliferation of it. They, uh, will, uh, come around and, uh, become, uh, good at what they do best instead of trying to be everything to everybody. And same with podcasting, you know, we do what we do best, uh, you know, well, some of us do. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I want to give, uh, give, uh, credit where credit's due here, uh, in order of my playing the clips, uh, here it goes. Uh, the first clip was an editorial from the Voice of America. Uh, that's the uh, shortwave broadcasting arm of the US government. Uh, the second clip was from Curtis Cross of the Sleeper Birthcast. That's sleeperbirth.com. Check him out. Then uh, I played Call to Glory by Jim Farley and David Brush. Available on the Podsafe Music Network. And then I played a clip from Mark Yoshimoto Nemkov of Pacific Coast Hellway and Shadow Falls in Podshow, LA. Uh, look up Podshow, LA at Podshow.com. Or wait a minute. No, it's podshowla.podshow.com. There we go. And uh, then I played a clip from uh, Joe Dion's Fly With Me X podcast, uh, and that's available at flywithme.podshow.com, and the regular Fly With Me show is available at jopodcaster.lipson.com. and they played a song called Home Fires by uh, Madly JD, so uh, that's also available on the uh, Podsafe Music Network. And then I played a clip from Trucker Tom, uh, Tom Wiles, and that's uh, truckertom.podshow.com or truckerphoto.com. And then I played a clip from Jim Farley of musicalworld.us and also on the Podsafe Music Network, just search for Jim Farley. And of course they played the anonymous clip from the anonymous listener of Pacific Coast Hellway. So I'm going to finish this out with uh, a song from the PodSafe Music Network, uh, No Place Like America. That the truth, anyway. I hope you uh, enjoyed the the stories uh, on this podcast, and uh, I'd like to thank each and every uh, one that uh, sent comments in or uh, otherwise uh, helped me out with this. And uh, everybody have a, a good uh, remainder of the day, and we'll uh, get back to uh, normal operations here at the Benzoid Report. Uh, in the next couple of days, so have a good one.
1: The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery. Podshow and Limelight.